Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. We are going to be discussing Nevernight by Jay Kristoff. We're kicking off um, October now with some spookier books, I guess. Um, so this will be the first we're covering in the Nevernight series this month. Some murdery books. Yes, murdery books. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll do our characters and Marissa will do our plot. So our main character is Mia Corvair. She is 16 years old and she's been trained to be a killer. She's described as pale with black hair, hollow cheeks, and a broken nose. However, her appearance does change later in the book. Her father was executed for being a traitor. He tried to overthrow the Senate and reinstate the monarchy. And after he was executed, her mother and brother were taken away. Um, Her death was ordered, but she managed to escape. She is also uh, darkened, so she has power over shadows, which is a rare power. In this book, she wants to train at the Quiet Mountain to become a blade for the Red Church, which is a group of assassins. And her end goal is for her um, to be able to murder the men who killed her father. Next, we have Mr. Kindly. This is a being that's made up of shadows and is sort of Mia's familiar. He's always with her. Uh, He's in the shape of a cat. We don't know much about him. Some say that he's a demon, but it's not really clear. Um, He appeared to Mia after her actual cat was killed in front of her, and he feeds off of Mia's fear. We have Mercurio. This was Mia's first teacher. He found her after she ran away um, from almost being killed. He recognizes her power and trains her to be an assassin and just to use her powers as best that he can train her. He tells her a bit about what to expect when training at the Red Church. We have Trick, Mia's friend and love interest, as well as an acolyte at the Red Church. Uh, She meets him on her way and they strike up a bit of a friendship. He has somewhat of a mysterious past. He's part Dwemeri and has the traditional facial tattoos, although they're poor quality and his face is also scarred. We have Ashlyn. She is another girl at the Red Church vying to be a blade. She is an excellent thief. She also has a lot of knowledge about the Red Church because her father was a blade until he retired after being captured, tortured, and castrated. She and Mia become friends, and her brother Osric is also an acolyte at the church. Carlotta is another one of Mia's friends. She's excellent at poisons and is Mia's greatest competition in spider killers class. Hush, yet another acolyte. He does not speak and it's unclear as to why he doesn't speak. However, Mia notices at one point that he doesn't have teeth and think that might be why. He's incredibly sneaky and like Ashlyn, a very good thief. We have Jessamine, another acolyte. However, she does not become friends with Mia. Instead, they have an instant rivalry because Jessamine blames Mia's father for the death of her own father and brother. She's an excellent fighter, one of the most skilled acolytes. She's often found with Diamo, another acolyte who is cruel. He and Jessamine might have some sort of relationship, but it isn't totally clear. We have Neve. She's a hand or a servant at the Red Church. 
She becomes Mia's personal hand and they develop a friendship as well. Then we have the teachers. They're called Shahids, Mouser, expert in disguise and thievery. Alia, expert in seduction, spider killer, master of poisons and chemical warfare. And Solus, the master or weapons master. We also have Mother Drusilla. She presides over the quiet mountain. She can be very cruel, but she also gives off motherly vibes. We have Lord Cassius. He's the leader of the Red Church. He is also known as the Black Prince and Lord of Blades. There's not much known about him other than he is a prolific murderer and a darken like Mia. He is described as being tall and muscular with long black hair. We have speaker Adonai and Weaver Marielle, they're brother and sister, and they have a weird incestuous relationship. Adonai can manipulate blood and Marielle can change what people look like. We have chronicler Alias. He is essentially the librarian. And we have the Illuminati, who are the people or group that's trying to eradicate the Red Church. Couple locations. So in this universe, there are three suns. They almost never all set at once, hence the name Nevernight. When they do all set, which happens once every three years, it's called True Dark. The country that this takes place in is called Itria, and the city that Mia grows up in is God's Grave, and the Quiet Mountain is where the acolytes are trained. Marissa, would you like to take over with the plot? Boy, would I. Okay, so our story starts with Mia Corvair, age 16, on the night of her first planned intentional murder. Who is she set to kill? Well, it's the first of four people who are responsible for the hanging of her father, Darius, after he was declared a traitor, the imprisonment and death of her mother, Aileen, and the death of her brother. Tonight's victim is... Augustus Scipio, uh, the man who hung Mia's father. She successfully murders the hangman and walks away with a prize, his teeth. This is to be her tithe to seek admittance to the Red Church, a group of, of assassins who serve Naya, the goddess of night, our lady of blessed murder. She leaves her home, God's grave, and her mentor in Shahid Mercurio uh, that night to sail to Last Hope, which is a port town where she will seek admittance to the Quiet Mountain. She presents her tithe in an inn in uh, the town, but is given the runaround by the innkeeper. And so she begins making plans to trek through the desert, which is called the Whisper Wastes, when she witnesses the same thing happen to a young man with face tattoos. She later stalks him and learns that his name is Strick, and they make a plan to venture into the desert together. Their adventure is uneventful initially, but they later begin stalking a supply train that has to be taking supplies to the Quiet Mountain. And they're discovered by a woman called Neve who attempts to throw them off by trying to murder them. Um, but Mia possesses a special ability that allows her to manipulate shadows 
and acting as her guide and built-in warning system and also friend is Mr. Kindly, a cat-shaped non-corporeal shadow that has been with Mia since she narrowly escaped murder the night that her father was killed. And so she uses this ability in the desert to keep her hidden from Neith. But accessing her ability draws sand krakens, which are tentacled monsters, to them. And so they're attacked and Neve is gravely injured, uh, but helps them to get to the quiet mountain. And so Neve is near dead by the time they arrive at the mountain, but they do arrive and are greeted by Shahid Mouser, who escorts them into the mountain. Trick and Mia learn that there are 27 additional trainees in the quiet mountain, and they are to be instructed by uh, Shahid Mouser, who is an expert in disguise and thievery, Shahid Aliyah, who's an expert in seduction, Shahid Spider Killer, who's a master of poisons and chemical warfare, and then Shahid Solis, who's a weapons master. The mountain is presided over by revered mother Drusilla, and the Red Church is led by Lord Cassius, who is a darken and manipulates shadows like Mia. They learn that of the 29 trainees, only four will be inducted as blades, which are assassins, and the rest that survive will become hands who serve the Red Church and the blades. Training begins, and Mia makes friends as quickly as she makes enemies, and one girl in particular, Jessamine, identifies her as an enemy because uh, of the death identifies her as an enemy because of Mia's father's role in inciting a rebellion that resulted in the death of Jessamine's father and brother. However, Mia manages to befriend Ashlyn and she becomes better friends with Trick who she traveled with. She is shocked to see Neve healed and whole shortly after they arrive and is baffled at her recovery, but this mystery is soon unveiled. Their first day of training begins in the Hall of Songs with Shahid Solis and he challenges them to demonstrate their skills. Of course, he lays everyone out, but Mia, being a little cocky, challenges him and uses her shadow ability to lock his feet to the ground. And she manages to cut him, which hasn't happened to Solace by a student in like forever. And so he hacks her arm off at the elbow, her left arm, her sword arm, she's left-handed, and she is sent to meet Mariel and Adonai. So Mariel is able to manipulate flesh and she reattaches Mia's arm and Adonai manipulates blood, ensuring that Mia doesn't bleed to death and returns circulation to the dismembered arm. So this is how Neve was healed. Mia is reprimanded and as her arm must heal, she begins training with Aliyah. She heed of masks who begins instructing her in the ways of seduction. Training continues with each of with each of the four shahids, and they each set a challenge. So the winners of the challenges are essentially guaranteed placement as a blade. Solus's challenge is a fighting competition. Mouser's challenge is a contest of thievery. Aliyah's contest is simple. The acolyte that brings her the juiciest secret in God's grave wins. And Spider Killer's challenge is the deadliest. So the acolyte who dares must create an antidote to a poison that Spider Killer has created. They must also consume the poison themselves. The winner wins, but the loser dies. Mia has some skill with poisons and sets out to solve this particular riddle. Weeks pass and the number of acolytes begins that are alive begins to drop. Aaliyah takes the acolytes on the blood walk. 
which allows them to travel via pools of blood and magic, courtesy of Adonai, from the red church to the different chapels across the land. So they can pop up in different cities. Their first blood walk takes them to God's grave, where each acolyte is captured and tortured by who they think are the Illuminati, uh, God's grave soldiers. Uh, but this is really a test by the red church to see who breaks under torture. Several acolytes do not return. Shortly after the blood walk, Mia returns to training in the hall of songs at the urging of her Shahid Mercurio in God's grave, who she saw while visiting on the night of the blood walk. However, because she has been out of practice for so long, she's fallen behind at her weapons training. And she asked trick who has been, um, more of a friend to her recently and who she has some attraction for to help her train extra with the weapons in exchange for helping him train with poisons as part of their training with mouser and thievery mouser dresses as a priest for one of their classes and wears an amulet with the light of the Trinity within it. And so Mia has an extremely aversive reaction to it. It's basically the antithesis of her nature. And so it's power is so intense and the light is so bright that she is incapacitated and Mr. Kindly abandons her. Now, the thing about Mr. Kindly is that he also eats, he consumes Mia's fears. And so with him gone from her, she is overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. And he's basically been her constant companion for the last six years. So with him gone, she is undone. She has nightmares that night and sneaks out after curfew, which would be heavily punished if she were caught to go to Trick's room where she seeks comfort from him and his body. They both know it's a bad idea, but that doesn't stop them. Tensions heat up between the students for the, the four spots for Blades. One of Mia's friends, Carlotta, makes progress toward the antidote for spider killers challenge, but her notes are ruined by Jessamine and her sidekick, Diamo. That night, Trick seeks out Mia for comfort, but the next morning, Ashlyn barges in on them to reveal that Carlotta has been murdered. Unfortunately, there is weak evidence that Mia is Carlotta's murderer, and Trick could provide an alibi for her. He was with her all night, so there's no way she could have snuck out to kill Carlotta. But if he reveals that he was out after curfew, he will be punished with the scourge. Basically, his skin will be flayed, healed, and flayed on repeat. And so Mia pleads with him not to say anything to try to protect him. She is tried that night by the counselors of the Red Church and found guilty. And so they sentence her to 50 lashes. And Trick chooses this moment to provide Mia's alibi. And so Mia is absolved, but then he is sentenced to 100 lashes. Um, and so Mia offers to take on half of his punishment as she encouraged him to meet her. And so they are both given 50 lashes. She asks Mr. Kindly to take Trick's fear. And as the scourge began, Mia flashes back to the night of her mother's death two years ago, the night of the Kingbreaker Rebellion, where Mia attempted to free her mother from prison. But her mother, in a state of delusion and fear, ended up being killed and Mia in a rage destroyed part of the prison using her shadows jumped from shadow to shadow across town to the Senate killed a lot of Illuminati soldiers and then confronted Julius Skava the man truly responsible for her family's downfall however 
She was unable to kill him that night as she ran into the light of the Trinity again, and it incapacitated her again. And so she returns to consciousness, healed, healed after her punishment, ready to be amazing. She begins training with Neve on the side as a weapons training with trick isn't really working for her. And she throws herself into uncovering the antidote for spider killer's poison. The time for initiation draws close and for the Shahid's challenges to come to a head. And so she nearly wins Shahid Solis's challenge to everyone's surprise, but she is bested by Trick. Determined, she spends extra time in Spider, Kilo, Spider Killer's training rooms, which is where fellow acolyte Hush finds her and gifts her with Carlotta's journal, which has the missing piece to the antidote that Mia has been trying to solve. And so she is declared Spider Killer's cha champion the next day. Hush is declared Mouser's champion, and Ashlyn is made Aaliyah's champion. They proceed to the initiation, but Mia is cha challenged by Ash to question if this is a life that she really wants. Ash believes that Mia is really better than them, and this is what it, but this is what Mia has been working toward for the last six years. Vengeance. And so the initiation begins. Mother Drusilla asks Mia to kill an innocent boy simply because she wants her to. And Mia seriously contemplates it, but is unable to. She can't kill someone for no reason. She fails the initiation and she is shattered. Mercur Mercurio arrives to take her home for a few days. And Ashlyn finds her at the blood pool before she can leave, kisses her and encourages her to come back when she's had some time to think. Mia returns to God's grave, disappointed in herself, questioning her next steps. So what's to happen to Mia now? How will she get her vengeance if she can't become a blade? Spoilers abound. To find out what happens, read the book or keep listening. Let's talk about this book. Yes. I was afraid to read it because I had talked to some people. I would like to state, I know I've said this before, but I'm a coward. And I am afraid of suspenseful things and my friends getting murdered. And so I was scared to read this book. Um, but I need not have been scared because it was spectacular and not as mm, like violently murdery as I thought it was going to be. So that was nice. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I didn't like it at first. Um, was it when they killed the cat? Yeah. I got, like, I was, you know, like, they killed her dad. And I was like, okay, that's not good. But, I mean, that, that, that happens, I guess. And then, you know, they were coming after her and her mom and her brother. It's like, this isn't looking good. But then they murdered her kitten. And that, I, that almost took it too far for me. You can kill all the people you want. But when you start touching the animals, I'm, I'm not here for it. Especially because there was like this little blurb where it was from the cat's point of view almost. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It they were talking about how brave Captain Puddles was, and I was like, "Oh no, uh, this isn't going to end well." No, I'm not cool with that. And then at the end, they murdered all the extra camels too. It's like, y'all, 
Leave the animals alone. What did they ever do to you? Nothing. Captain Puddles was just trying to protect Mia. Mm-hmm. I do love, so Mia mentions this later in the book, that Julius still has, uh, or Remus, one of them still has scratches on his face from Captain Puddles. Like, yeah. He left his mark. He left yeah. his mark. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she develops Mr. Kindly, who's in the shape of a cat. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate in the prologue of this book, like one of the first things that gets said is that the main character is dead. So you want to know what my Kindle did, which was really interesting? It just what? started me right at chapter one. So it didn't show me the prologue. Oh. Until I was reading your notes. And I was like, what fucking prologue? oh well boys and girls there's a prologue (laughs) you need to read it this this is not spoilery i mean this is the first page there's a prologue it says like in the first paragraph that the main character is dead so i appreciate that i will temper my expectations going into the next few books and try not to get so attached to her yeah And I know I had read some uh, spoilers, so I knew that Trick was going to die. Well, I knew somebody was going to die. I mean, like several people die. Yeah. I was expecting, I mean, I think like we just can't have nice things, right? In a book about assassins. This isn't like our fae romances where people get kidnapped, but everyone turns out okay. No, no. But it did because of this prologue. So in this prologue, the, the last comments are talking about, um, so it's someone say, the, the narrator of the prologue says that they loved her. And so for the whole rest of this book, I was thinking like, is it one of these other characters? Like, who is this person that loves her? Because at first I was thinking like, it's going to be Trick or Lord Cassius, but they both died. So it's not going to be one of them. And then I thought maybe it's Ash, but uh she kind of Mia kind of participated in killing killing Ash's brothers so I don't really see them moving past that and then I wondered like is it Mr. Kindly does Mr. Kindly love her they have this kind of weird interesting relationship and that could be it I don't know or maybe it's someone we haven't met yet yeah you know it kind of gives me um the bone witch vibes yeah me too I definitely thought that especially in this first part Mm -hmm. so in part one in the chapters it bounces back and forth between the present and the future or present and the past right right so the first part of the narration is told from the perspective of Mia as a 10 year old her -hmm. father's being murdered hung um, and her family's like it's the destruction of her family basically and then in the second part of the chapter it jumps to the present uh, which I really an, enjoy as a um, way to tell stories like this, where the things that happened in the past have a very definite and prominent role in what's happening in the character's present. Mm-hmm. 
I think it builds the anticipation well, instead of giving it all away at once, we're left wondering like, okay, what, what else, ha- like what happened? How did we get to this point in the, in the character's presence? And so it's, it's almost like a little bit of a tease. Yeah. And that's what I liked about the bone witch too, because like, you know, and what was really great about that is that at some point in the last book, the present and the past come together and they kind of meld. Mm-hmm. yeah was that what reminded you of the bone witch or was there more no that's what it was it was the writing and how it was going back and forth between the two um you know present and past so, mm-hmm. so yep that's gave me the camera of it i really like that mm-hmm. the first chapter is really interesting so did you, how long did it take you to realize that she was describing events happening on the same day? Like her first sexual experience and her first mur- murder? I actually just kind of assumed it was the same day. It took me reason. a minute to figure out what was happening. Uh, I don't know why, because I, I, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, she is doing this because she has to like, in my head, this is when I was, she's having sex with this, they called it a sweet boy, mm-hmm. right? Which I didn't know was another term, I guess, for prostitute. I didn't know that, but apparently it is. Um, and so in my head, what was happening was she's doing that, like she's having her first sexual experience along with having like her first murder experience because after she murders someone, like what, like she might go to jail or something. Like, I don't remember what my like thought process was, but it was like, she knows she has to have sex. Like this might be her only chance. And in my head, I related it to her murdering someone mm. and being caught. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, it took me a minute to make the connection that this, this was happening on the same day, but it's told in a really interesting way. The author uses a lot of the same words to describe both experiences. Like the situations start off with the same words. Obviously they're different situations because the person that she's having sex with is like attractive and a little flirty. And then the person that she's murdering is, she describes them as being repugnant, repulsive and disgusting. Um, but the way that it's written is really interesting. Yeah, was bad. I got really pissed off reading about her first sexual experience because I didn't like it was like the foreplay wasn't great. The guy was rough with her. And then he was like, why didn't you tell me it was your first time? And I was like, maybe you should ask and be a sensitive partner. And then I realized that she had paid him. It's like, well, I mean, I feel like if you're being paid for a service, you could still be a sensitive partner, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I had the, I made a note too, saying um, in my Kindle saying that I felt bad because she said, I wish this wasn't the way it had to be. And I'm reading it going, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to. It shouldn't hurt. You deserve better, sweetie. Yes. And then when I realized that it, she paid him, mm-hmm. right? I thought, shouldn't he be better? Yeah. Like, yes. I mean, this you paid for this service. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you get a refund? This yeah. wasn't what I, I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't know how this works. I feel like you should at least get an orgasm if you pay for something. I don't right? know. Is that wrong? 
No, if I am paying for sex, I expect to be pleasured. Yes, <laughs> pleasure yes. me. Yeah. So, and I'm indignant for a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least later on, when she's with Trick, she gets to have an appropriate sexual experience. Yes, and it's nice. I think this book might be the first time I've read a sex scene written by a male. I can't remember. I feel like I must have read a sex scene written by a male somewhere in my past readings. But in the recent history, yes, this is first I can remember. Yeah, I can't remember. None, none of the others are coming to mind now. And I wasn't disappointed in it. I think he did a really nice job. He didn't do any weird anatomy things with or say like her breasts smiled. He didn't do any. Have you, you know, there are these TikTok things now about men writing about women's bodies. And it's like her, oh, what? There were some horrible, horrible names for female genitals. Um, she she titted boobily down the stairs there are no horrific examples like that and so I was I remember I remember reading it and being like this is nice I am not bothered by any of the words that were said in this these situations Mm -hmm. it was and I think it's because they're they're both young they're I mean they're not in love but you know like it, it was sweet it was sweet too it wasn't yeah you know it wasn't anything like crazy rough or anything like that it was it was sweet yeah it was good so hats Mm -hmm. off Mr. Kristoff done well we appreciate it Mm -hmm. um yeah I liked that for her that she got to have that she got to have a satisfying sexual experience um that and that's part of so trick makes a comment about the I think he goes down on her and she makes a comment about how great it is and he he said that he learned it from Shahid Aliyah yes that is some alternative learning right there (laughs) well I mean she learned tricks too yeah she did just all the all the tricks so um, I feel like that would be a uh, unique lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. This makes me think of those alien books that I read. Yeah, the the uh, what choosing Theo or something. Yeah, the, the males have to take like actual classes on how to pleasure females, and yep, yeah, I really enjoyed the description of the town god's grave the world building in this book was very i feel like it's very well done without it feeling like an information overload Mm -hmm. sometimes you read books that are in fantasy genre and they have to build this whole world and it just gets bogged down in details and i didn't feel that way when i was reading this which was really nice but i like the way he incorporates like a uh, a body to describe the structure of God's grave. So there's like the, the nethers, the pelvis, which is where there's more poverty. Things are a little seedier down there. There's the spine, there's the ribs closer to the neck, which is where the Senate and, and things like that. And she, when she was younger, her 
father was in a position of power. So they lived like in the upper ribs or something. I really liked the imagery of that. Um, it, it made it really easy to imagine. Yes. I loved this world that was created too. Like the idea of having three sons in general and well, I actually don't like the idea of it never being night. Oh my gosh. You would be like a lobster all the time. <laughs> I would be. Like if the sun never set or like it just lighter degrees of sun. What is it like in the summer? Yeah. You would walk outside and just burst into flames. Mm-hmm. I know with three sons. Yeah. <laughs> so I, but I liked that idea. I thought it was unique. So yeah, I liked that yeah. idea. I liked it too. I can't, can you imagine living in a world where the sun only went down completely down once every three years? No, I would go insane. Yeah. They mention how people get sick from it. How there's this illness because mm-hmm. there's never like true dark is only once every three years. It would really make you appreciate the darkness. I feel like. Yes. I can imagine that sounds just awful, but cool in a book. Yeah. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. If I were a criminal, that's when I would plan all of my heists. During true dark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's what happens. Sneaky, sneaky, sneak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoy and as well. So the description of God's grave is really interesting, but also just the descriptors of the quiet mountain, um, their government system is a little confusing to me. It sounds mm, like religious extremism, basically. Um, it, I don't, I just really enjoyed it. It didn't feel he- like the, the world building didn't feel excessive or heavy. It just integrated really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was well done too. Speaking of their government a little bit, and well, this brings in her father too. So her father was a traitor and he was executed for it, right? Because he was trying to reinstate the monarchy. Mm -hmm. And I get that the Senate that they have now or the Republic, it's called Senate or the Republic, right? Is bad. You know, Um, it seems like religious extremists. It's interesting that he was trying to reinstate the monarchy though. Like, I feel like a lot of times when we hear about people um, or read about, you know, books where they're trying to overthrow a government, they're trying to overthrow a monarchy, you know, or, um, or whatever they're trying to put in place, right? Even if it's on a monarchy, they're trying to overthrow, like, in this case, the, the Senate that's corrupt. They're not trying to put in place a monarchy, they're trying to put in place something better that where the people, the citizens are represented. Yeah. You know, so I thought... Yeah, I don't, yeah, um, so I thought that was interesting that his goal, though, was to put in place a monarchy again. Yeah. But I, I guess know. it also makes sense because if he was upper class, that would benefit him the most. A lot of times we see these overthrowing government things coming from lower class mm-hmm. and their point of view isn't heard as much, whereas in this case, she and her family were upper class. Yeah. Sorry, I think I cut you off. No, you're fine. It, I, so I would like to know more about what is happening in their government system at the time that he's trying to overthrow, because it sounds like 
Skeva, Julius Skeva, who's the one that ruins their lives. He's a dirtbag. It sounds like he has set himself up to be in a, in a position that, that, I mean, makes him almost like a glorified monarch, right? Or dictator, maybe. Yeah. My thought was dictator. Yeah. Dictator. Mm -hmm. Uh, because he, because of what happens with Mia's dad. And then a few years later, there's the Kingbreaker rebellion. Um, he petitions to have himself. So at first it's the rules are that a person can only be in the seat for one term. Well, because of this, Skeva gets himself instated for two terms. And then because of all of these other things, he's trying to get himself instated in this other position where he will get to stay in it mm-hmm. until he dies. And he's had his son who is only seven, I think initiated as, Illuminati, which is a a rumor. We learn about that. It's a rumor. Um, But it sounds like he's setting himself up in these positions to be a dictator. So because of that, it makes me wonder what was going on in their government before that had Mia's dad trying to go back to a monarchy. Could he see what was happening with Skeva? And thought, oh, if I can create a rebellion, we'll undermine the threat that he'll pose to us going forward. We don't know. We don't know the answer to that, but I want to know. I'm curious. Yeah, me too. Very much so. So the description of his death though, and his hanging bothered me. Yeah. Just because of the way it was written. So she hears somebody say something like, oh yeah, make them dance. Right. Right. And she's confused by that. And then she realizes when, like, they drop him, right? Like, pull out things, he hangs. He's thrashing about as he suffocates. Mm-hmm. And that's what they mean by dancing. And that visual to me was super disturbing. And I didn't yeah. like it. Because it mentions his, like, face purpling and stuff. And could you imagine watching somebody you love die that way? No, I can't. Yeah, so that and really bothered me. Her mom makes her watch it. Like she won't let her turn her head away. Right. And this is where her mantra comes in. Because her mom gives her these words. She says, never flinch, never fear, and never, ever forget. And so that's where this comes in. But I can't imagine as a 10-year-old being forced to watch that. Yeah. And another line that stuck with me around that same time that she wrote was... um, It says she knew that her father was afraid people would tell her that her father was so brave, but she knew watching him as like the noose slipped over his neck and the blood drained from his face and all that defiance like slipped out of him. She knew he was afraid. Yeah. So as just a person, you know, or as a 10 year old girl watching this and knowing this is your, like watching your father be killed in a horrible way and knowing that he's scared too on top of that you know your parents always project such an air of I'm not scared of anything you know I'm here to protect you whatever and seeing that just it really bothered me yeah um so yeah it's troubling and that haunts her that's I mean that's the substance of her nightmares now as a 16 year old it has been for the last few years that's why she's dependent on Mr. Kindly that image mm-hmm. never escapes her. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm really curious about her mom. I would like to know more from that too, because after her dad is hung, you know, her mom, they, they, they go back to their house and her mom is getting things ready to bail out. Basically we're getting ready to bug out and Skava and his dirtbag minions show up and we discover that, uh, Mia's mom, her name is Aileen is skilled with a blade and she's got some bizarre history with Skava that we don't know about. And she's very menacing and frightening and intimidating. It talks about how, um, nobody wants to mess with her. And so there's a lot, I feel like there's a history there that we don't really learn about in this book. I hope we do down the road because she sounds really interesting. I wonder if she was like a blade or an assassin or had been trained in some way. Yeah, I was wondering that too. I really am curious about her mother's history with Skiba. Yeah, there's something there because mm-hmm. he is real salty. I wonder if he's like jilted lover or something. I, I got that vibe. I very yeah. much got jilted lover vibe from him. Yeah. Oh. So, but it's interesting. So we, her brother might still be alive. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. Very curious about that. That's definitely going to come up, come up in books to come. Yes. Um, obviously, if he's been raised by maybe he's been raised by Skava. I don't know. Mm. Probably brainwashed. How old he would only be like six, right? Yeah, he would only be six. This has only happened six years ago. Yeah. So maybe too young to be brainwashed at six. Well, I had to remind myself that he was younger than her because um whatchamacallit calls her little sister, Cassius. Oh yeah. Says little sister, and I'm like, well what and I was like nope that timeline does not add up at all yeah yeah um Bucky is who I think of when I think of Lord Cassius from Captain America Avengers. yep mm-hmm. Bucky let's see, let's see. Sebastian, Sebastian Stan yeah he's gorgeous <laughs> I I can see how you'd see that. I get it. Um, I was not expecting him to die. I wasn't either. Man, there were so many things that happened in this book that I was like, what? Yes. I was like, why? you surprise me like this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was not expecting it. Also, a little bit of I was a little drunk while I was reading it (laughs) on Friday night, I think. Um, and that was when I was reading like all of these major things and all this, you know, like big reveals were happening and I was so into it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because like, I wasn't trying to guess what was going to happen, you know? So a lot of times I'm reading and like, okay, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? But since I was a little inhib- uninhibited, I was just like going with the flow yeah. and so surprised about everything. I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things that I was like, oh, what? Yeah. How dare you just do this to me? And that was one of them. I really thought more was going to come out of his timeline. I was honestly kind of hoping for it. I don't know why. I think it's because we read so much fantasy romance. My brain was like, Cassius and me are going to end up, we're going to have like a darkened party. We're going to yep. have darkened babies. And 
a darkened brood is just going to come out of this, but I know that's not how it's going to work out. Cause she's going to die. Like, I know this is not, but my brain made it that way. And then they killed him. And I was like, Oh, I know. Well, when okay, she fine first, then. <laughs> when she first like lays eyes on him and she has his tingly feelings, I was mm-hmm. my first, my first thought was, Oh, and I was like, Nope, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so it's like, they're going to lock eyes. They're going to be mates. And I was like, Nope, wrong. <laughs> nope. This is the wrong, this is the wrong. <laughs> not the I right book. No, this is murder fantasy, I guess. I don't know <laughs> what this is. Um, yeah, no, no faded mates here. She does have a tingly feeling, but it's because he makes her feel like she's going to vomit. So <laughs> different. It's not a romantic tingle. There's no, there's no tingling in her loins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really shocked by that and kind of disappointed too, I guess. He seemed like a really interesting character and she wanted so badly to ha- to ha- to get answers. And he was like, I'll tell you at the end, she rescues him because she's, the bomb and he says I'll tell you what I know and I was thinking great our girl's gonna get some answers then he dies like well crap you know and then here's me thinking maybe he's not really dead maybe he'll come back right maybe he's not really dead this is just a joke but don't they he's like very buried yeah they had his body I think they're dead dead in this in this book yeah this is, it's not like some of our other books where they're dead, but not really. This is, I think a, a, they're real dead. Dead for real. Uh, um, so yeah, unexpected. And Cassius dies and he's, so Mia has Mr. Kindly. Cassius has broody female wolf and she's heartbroken when he dies they the author talks about her like wailing her crying out oh yeah it always comes back to animals if you want to hurt me (laughs) that's where you can do it at yes so that was real sad too but I did like how Mia offered at the end uh to to walk with the wolf or to have the wolf walk with her wolf walk mm-hmm. with her and so mister she's got a mini menagerie of shadow animals now yeah i really like that and i know there's going to be some funny interactions between mr kindly and i don't know why i want to say excelsior because i don't think that is the name did the wolf have a name yeah remember because he called the wolf back once yeah, I'm sure that happened. I just don't remember. There's a lot of other details to take in. I believe you. Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of adventure stuff here. Like. Surely that's not it. I think I would I remember don't that. Think, I don't think it is. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I liked that. Um, for, for the wolf, I, I mean, I don't care about the people. I just want the fake and like the shadow animals to be loved. So, although I'm actually kind of confused about them, uh, because I can't, I haven't discern determined yet if they're good or malevolent or, uh, what type are they parasites? I don't. We don't, because we don't know a whole lot about Mr. Kindly or just the shadow creatures. I've, 
feel a level of suspicion about them. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid to like them too much. I can see that. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, Mr. Kindly, it's disturbing that he feeds off of her fear. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, you know, she has that moment with Trick where she goes to him and they have sex and she doesn't have any fear. Like the nightmares don't come to her that night because she stays the night with him. And it mentions how Mr. Kindly does not like that. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder, is he just cool with her until she start like start if she starts living her own life or not being afraid all the time? Is he gonna like gonna get gonna have a problem with that? What's gonna happen? I mean, Cassius is a lot old was a lot older and probably had his I just want to call it shadow familiar um with him for a while and they seem to have a relationship. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of our darken, I would be looking real quick real real quick for a solution to this problem with the trinity amulet things that disable them what that is so oh my gosh that that would be like task number one is what do i do when this happens Mm -hmm. i mean it take they're incapacitated that's part of what cassius dies because ashlyn pulls that amulet out and is like sorry but i gotta do this which I have some feelings about, but we'll get to it. And Mia hits the ground. Cassius hits the ground. This super skilled, amazing warrior is taken out by a necklace. Yeah. It's so ridiculous that that was not what that annoyed me so much, so much when she just like let Ashlyn have it too. You know, they steal it back and Ashlyn makes a point. Oh, you know, like you can't steal because you'll be sick. But I would be like, you know what? Why don't you give me that all wrapped up? And mm-hmm. I will keep it. Put it in a deep, dark corner in the closet. Mm-hmm. And, and that seems like a massive weakness, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Suddenly you're fighting, someone pulls this out, and you hit the ground. That's a problem. You'd think they would put more effort into... Finding a solution? Yes. Yeah, I would. That would be priority number one for me. What do I do in the event of this necklace popping out yeah i mean i don't know that whatever that would be my first thought because as soon as she heads back i guess and realizes that ashlyn is the one i was like oh no ashlyn has that necklace Mm -hmm. this is very bad Mm -hmm. and what do you know takes her down it was yeah Mm-hmm. so that's a problem i would be finding a solution to that very rapidly yeah uh speaking of ashlyn that was also a pretty major surprise yes so i was not um, expecting it all so i was not expecting it but i read it and i was like you know what that makes so much more sense because you know they join and their father had been horribly tortured and mutilated and like mm-hmm. the red church had been like whatever sucks to be you you know basically 
And so when they were like, oh yeah, you know, my dad wants us to become blades. And I'm like, that seems weird. I feel like if anything, he'd be mad about it, that y'all would be mad about this. So when it comes to the, that part and it's revealed that they've been plotting because of what happened to their father to get back at the red church, I was like, oh, see, like I was shocked, but I was also like, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. So leading up to finding about, finding out what happens with Ashlyn, uh, Mia has been, she failed the initiation and she's getting ready to leave. They're at the blood pool with Mercurio and Ashlyn comes down and kisses her. And I thought, oh, is that where this is going? (laughs) And then she kills Trick, and I thought, oh, is this like a jealous lover situation? Is that where this is going? And it's like, oh, you're trying to overthrow the whole institution. And I was kind of like, I thought I would be more upset about Trick being murdered because I liked him as a character. But that just, I mean, I really enjoyed it I don't I won't say that I was aroused by this situation but I was definitely very impressed with Ashlyn (laughs) (laughs) yes it was very impressive and clever yeah it was yeah very much so but Shrek okay so when he died I Mm -hmm. wasn't I was upset but I wasn't as upset so first off I had seen mild spoilers about somebody important dying Mm -hmm. right So I was trying my best not to get connected, right? Mm -hmm. But he annoyed me because she kills. So first off, Diamo steals her notebook and she wrote something in it to make, to pretend that she had the solution to spider killers um, poison, right? Yes. Yes. First off, brilliant. And it ends up that it was a ruse, right? And he dies. Yamo takes it and he thinks that he's won all this and it ends up it's delayed poison and he dies which is brilliant amazing brilliant amazing loved it and here comes trick being like did you have to do that you killed him didn't you and I was like it's an assassin competition (laughs) I know I was like what the heck and then we find out that the final like test is that you have to murder an innocent and he does it he does it. He does it. <laughs> we don't right. have any problems with that, but you're gonna judge exactly. He kills this dirt bag. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was so annoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so annoyed. So when he she stabbed him, I was like, well, you know, sad, but also he was a hypocritical jerk. So yeah. Yes. What happens to maybe I missed it, Jessamine, though, because she didn't make it to be a blade. She didn't make it to be a blade. I guess she becomes a hand. Yes. Um we don't, I mean they don't really elaborate on what happens to her because the next time we see her, she's fighting with she's escaped the, you know, like mass murder of all of the other hands when the Illuminati are coming through the blood pools with Remus. Uh, But I mean, we don't, we're not really given details on what happens to her from a physician perspective. So 
I'm curious to find out what happens to her because as much as I was annoyed by her and hated her, there was, I feel like she has a lot of potential. If yeah. she can get over, like, mm-hmm. what, I mean, that's how I was going to get over your dead father, but <laughs> sorry. if she could move past this resentment that she, this blame that she's putting on Mia for it, right? I love how Mia tries to come through several times. Like my dad's dead too. (laughs) So it's written in there. Somebody says, if you can't hurt the ones who hurt you, sometimes hurting anyone will do. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a little bit before about that phrase, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And that's very much just me. So I feel like if she can, like if she and Mia can become friends, I feel like, I just feel like there's a lot of potential to her character. Yeah that I hope to see, even though I really hated her at times during this book because she was so awful. So hateful. So hateful. Um, Yeah. But so I hope that in either the next book or the book after, maybe we'll see something, some more development with her. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we will. I hope we will. I agree. I was, so at first I was so pissed because we find out it's during Solus's challenge. We find out that Diamo snuck off and talked to Spider Killer about having the antidote and he did the thing and they came out and he was still alive. And so I was thinking, oh my gosh, if Mia snuck out of her room so she could get, uh, so she could bone trick basically, and they took this from her, I'm going to be so pissed. Like, get your head in the game, sister. Mm-hmm. This is you're not here to make friends. You're here to avenge your family. So act like it. But then he like projectile vomits blood. <laughs> it's like, oh yes, okay. I all is forgiven. I'm sorry I doubted you. You are actually planning things really well. Good job, sweetie. Like, I'm sorry. I- <laughs> you're I doing so great impressed. sweetie you're doing great sweetie you're doing a very good job you have tricked everyone and thinking you don't know how to fight and you're showing them how capable you are you just murdered this guy like I'm very proud you're doing really well I'm mm-hmm. sorry I doubted you <laughs> I had that moment too I was like you I- stupid child yeah <laughs> no dick is worth this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I was I was very concerned and was ple- and yeah I mean just the brutality that because everybody thinks that me is the nice one and they mm-hmm. talk about how she doesn't deserve to be here and she's not like she not that she doesn't deserve it from a like she's undeserving it's just that she's different she's not as ruthless or callous as the other people who are competing for these positions and she proves to them like hey actually I can be and uh you can all suck it enjoy a shower of Diamo's blood yes yeah so I loved that I mean just the planning the execution it was brilliant 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. Um, but so so back to Ashlyn, I was shocked. Mm -hmm. Not only that, you know, she had this whole, she and Osric had this whole plot to overthrow the ministry of the red church. 
but like that she had also, they had been the ones that killed Carlotta and that boy in the very beginning who died on the first day. I mean, what a bummer to go to assassin school and die on the first day. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I, I mean, I was shocked because I thought for sure it was going to be hush. Yes, I know. First off, I want to know more about Hush. I do too. Right, we know. I feel bad for him. him. Well, we know that he was, uh, he he lost his teeth because they wanted him to look pretty on the outside, but he didn't need his teeth and he worked in Pleasure House, right? Right. And he was basically a slave. Well, he was Mm -hmm. a slave, but like a sex slave. So we know that, but I want to know way, way more. Yes. There's this, but I was because they mentioned the author like let us down this hole this this rabbit trail thinking like hush is just like creeping around in corners smiling you know maliciously murdering <laughs> people and I thought oh gosh it's hush he's killing everybody um and then we find out it's not him and I was like holy smokes man mm-hmm. it was Ashlyn all along it was really good this uh, it was such a good reveal and such a good twist like not expecting it at all not at all I feel like I haven't been surprised by a book in a long time so I read this and I was like what just happened to me (laughs) (laughs) it was lovely I enjoyed it so much yes yeah I so hush right I want to know more about him but also, so he's the first one that we see get whipped. I, yeah. I, I guess it's whip scourge. Yeah. Um, and I just felt so bad for him. So Mia goes to check on him afterwards and he's crying. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but later on, he says, you were the only one who came to like check on me. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. It's really, I mean, I feel, uh, I can't imagine the trauma that that, that experience would induce to be Especially, like yeah. ripped open, closed back up, rip open, closed back up. Oh, yeah. Horrifying. It reminds me a little bit. And then, so you're closed back up and you don't have any scars. Reminds me a little bit about, of, um, Throne of Glass. Mm, Aelin. Aelin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And having scars and stuff is this proof of things that you've been through mm-hmm. and to go through that and not have any scars from it. And yeah. No. Yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah. So that's so the, the scourge that's performed by Adonai in the Weaver Mariel. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what to think of them. I'm very bothered by them. <laughs> okay. Me too. And for some reason in my head, I picture, okay, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yes. The guy? <laughs> yeah. Yes. With the blonde hair. Yes. yes. Me too. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't know his name. But oh, yeah, I know I, exactly yeah. who you're talking about because that is exactly where my mind went as well. Yes. Oh God. Okay. Glad it's not just me. <laughs> no, no, I got you. I'm there too, boo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was very bothered by it. And that guy is not attractive and he, you know, Adonai is described as being like beautiful and I could not see it because all of his other qualities are just repulsive. So my mind made him externally repulsive too. Yep. Same. And then you have Marielle who 
is repulsive, right? So every time she works on somebody and makes them beautiful, she becomes ugly, like she gets scarred or whatever. Mm-hmm. Too, which I thought, oh, so bothersome. Very troubling. And then I don't, I, their relationship's really strange because Neve falls in love with Adonai and Adonai's a narcissist. He doesn't care about other people for long t- amounts of time. Um, but because of that, Ariel disfigures her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved at the end, uh, we have this nice little full circle moment where uh, because Mia saves them, they owe her a favor. And so that favor is that she has to fix Neve's face. Mm-hmm. I love that. I was like, yes, we're looking out for our friends in this book. Um, and that I think is really, so Neve, I feel like is, is someone who potentially could actually be a good friend in a building full of assassins for Mia. Um, it would be really hard to trust other people, but from the get go, Neve tells her, I I'm assuming her name is Neve. We could be, I don't know. Um, uh, she tells her like to guard, basically to guard her empathy because they will, murder that part of her basically uh and so she from the beginning is giving her this advice and I like that and I think it's interesting that we see that come up several times with Mia this empathy this caring for other people it makes me wonder what makes Mia choose empathy to choose to be that rather than the other assassins in training who don't embrace that at all Ashlyn it's pretty ruthless hush too I mean we even, see trick. Mia, even trick. Yeah. Uh, we see Mia checking on people being kind. She offers to help Carlotta with her notes. I mean, which is, you know, perhaps like not the best environment in an assassin competition, uh, but she's very, I don't, it's almost like she's searching for connection. Yeah. That was my thought. She grew up, she didn't have a lot of friends, mm-hmm. right? I feel like from what was described, she really didn't have a lot of social interaction with people her own age. Um, and so now she's in an environment where, yeah, they're all assassins, but these are people who are own age. These are her peers mm-hmm. and trying, I think like it's natural for her to kind of seek out that connection and yeah. want to be friends, even though she knows it's not a good idea. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that is for she still has this element of ruthlessness to her, but it's almost like she's ruthless, but has a moral code too, which maybe that's the difference there. I don't know, because the, the thing that troubles her about the initiation is that she can't kill. She chooses not to kill a boy for, for no reason. She says not for nothing. Yeah. Uh, and the others do. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't, I feel like, I don't mother Drusilla has her mother Drusilla has her do this as like a test uh, to prove her loyalty to the the red church right blind mm-hmm. loyalty and I, I feel like that's problematic in every institution blindly following rules and doing what's being told to you I feel like you should question pretty much everything um and so that's that's part of what I like about Mia like they ask her to do this thing but it's 
She has a moral code. Um, And she, she sticks by it, even though it means that this thing that she sought for the last six years won't come to fruition because of it. Yeah, I feel like I would not join an organization. First off, I, I, there's no way I'd even get in. I could never kill somebody and like take their teeth. But oh no, that'd be the worst part. <laughs> yeah, <Ugh>. um, <laughs> could not do that. But uh, if my options were okay, cool, you're a blade, or no, you have to be a servant, and you, I mean, if I, if it could be either, I get to be a blade or walk away cool you know like I can walk away and go be a mercenary or something mm-hmm. actually that would be ideal I wouldn't even want to be a blade I would just want the training and be like I'm gonna be a mercenary bye bye you what to do yeah that would be ideal but you're still tied to the red church right and I wouldn't want to be tied to the church like I get it but nah yeah not worth the risk but me. you wouldn't, if it came down to being a blade or a hand, you wouldn't want to be a hand. I don't think so. Would you? I wouldn't apply for a position in this organization. Neither. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If I was forced <laughs> in this situation. If I was forced to choose between murdering people for my job or transporting things across town, I would 100% be a hand. But see, I'm saying I'm like I'm way less likely to die. I still get the benefits. The housing is provided. I don't have to take people's teeth for fun. Like that's yes, but I feel like with that you lose autonomy. It doesn't sound like they can really. I I don't know. I would just want the freedom that I feel like it sounds like comes more with being a blade than it does with being a hand. Maybe we interpreted it differently while reading it. Maybe. I mean, but they both still have to answer to the red church. Yeah, that's true. The blades just talk, they get to murder people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I, I would probably choose to be a hand. I if would, it came down to it. I don't Overall, I would choose to not take a position at this church. <laughs> Same. I would not apply. Nope. I will just uh actually if i were gonna work in any position it would be the library even though it sounds like you might get eaten by bookworms <laughs> i loved I that that was so i did too it reminded me of the midden guard worm a little bit yep um where i'm court of thorns and roses that was where my mind went except that so it talks about it having multiple heads so then my mind went to oh gosh what is that creature in Greek mythology, where you, when you cut its head off, more grow back. Oh, Hydra? Yeah, it reminded me of Hydra a little bit. Mm-hmm. First, I thought Midgard worm, Midgard worm, then I went to Hydra. It's got, I think, multiple heads or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I love books that feature libraries. That's one of my favorite things. I love libraries. They need more support. Um but I really like the way that this library is described. So we have the chronicler alias, uh, and he talks about how, first of all, we don't find out until the book's almost over that he's actually dead, which makes me wonder how he's capable of smoking. 
I have so many questions about him too. I, I want so to know many questions about so much. So many questions about so many of these side characters. Yes. Like what is their whole history? Like, please tell me everything about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find out that he's dead, which is interesting. Uh, but the way that he describes the library is so cool. So he talks about how like he'll be walking and discover an entirely new wing one day um, and get lost and have like, and he talks about how protective the bookworms are of the books, which I really like because I feel like people disrespect library books sometimes and that's not okay. Um, So I like that there are like these guard dogs within the library that murder people who treat books badly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the way that he talks about um the books to Mia so he says to her the books we love they love us back and just as we mark our places in the pages those pages leave their marks on us I love that description I love that sentence because I think and I know that I don't I just think about all the books that I've read and the impact that they've had on me. And maybe I'm not having an impact on these books, but I'm sharing like the books that I love. I share them with other people on like the first day of school, Mia gets her arm cut off. Oh, I was shocked by that. (laughs) I was not expecting that either. I was like, dang, (laughs) we're really making an impact. Like (laughs) Solace is not taking crap from anybody as evident by. He just hacked. I was so excited. her arm off. <laughs> oh, God. That was rather surprising. It was. It was very unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't stand Solace. I didn't like him either. He annoyed me. Yeah, same. Um, I didn't like him either. I did like, so who was your, of the Shahids, did you have a favorite? Uh, yes. I'll, oh, crap. Alia? Yeah. Aaliyah. 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 I think she was, um, my favorite. <laughs> I highlighted something that she said to Mia and my note was brood. She said it was something like, you've been given a gift in that you're ugly, basically, <laughs> was yeah. the gist of it. <laughs> I was hey. like, wow. Okay tell us how you really feel yeah um because yeah, it was not somebody said that to me as much as he was trying to like sugarcoat it be like you've been given a gift you know what it's like to not be pretty it's like oh. all right and then yeah no I liked her but she actually thinks she she was awful mm, yeah she was awful I disliked her challenge the least, like the most. Yes, the secret. Tell me your juiciest secret. That is entirely subjective. What secret ended up winning? So whatever Ashlyn learned from the people in the Illuminati. She never revealed it. They never revealed the secret. And there's no way to grade a secret objectively. The, The analytical part of me did not appreciate this challenge. I didn't like it. And then I didn't like, she's the one who led them into being tortured. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she did. 
And then she did it again and led them into it. And I thought, so the second time they deserved it. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Those idiots. She was like, I just think you deserve to have fun. He's like, first of all, these teachers do not give a shit about you. So I I think I'm going to have to change my mind to spider killer. I mean, you can like Aaliyah. I guess. Spider killer killer is my favorite. But I thought (laughs) that that first time, and I mean, she guess I guess she kind of filled her role well because they believe like they believed her, you know, and mm-hmm. that's she's the uh, the sheet of masks. So she kind of tricked them. She was successful. She did what she was supposed to, what she was training them to do. They were just dumb enough to believe her. So the first time she leads them and they get tortured. All right. The second time she's like, hey, we're going to have a Christmas party. I want you guys to have nice things to wear. Here are these masks. They're all the same so that we'll know where you are in the crowd, which is a problem. It's a problem. If you all have something that identifies you as part of a group, that's a problem. I'm not even an assassin and I know that. (laughs) Um, But so there's that. And then it's a trap. Like, how did they, they're training to be assassins. How did, they didn't even have an Akbar moment. Like Mia was like, this is kind of suspicious, but I'm just going to go with it. Like, no, it's a trap. (laughs) (laughs) I know I was reading that and I was like, come on, come on, somebody. You stupid, naive children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just want to have fun tonight. Like, no, there is no fun. There's no fun to be had here. I thought the when, so she takes them to God's grave the first time and they end up all getting tortured, right? I, I thought that was really interesting and awful. So they torture them. They get them tortured in order to see who would break. Mm-hmm. And if you broke, they would just kill you anyway. And it cut their numbers down like crazy. Yeah. Like, they went from like 27 to 15 or something. Yes. <laughs> like, I think like half of them got cut and killed, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess it takes out the competition, but I was like, damn, it's yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously. It's a secret organization. You can't have people that are going to spill your secrets. Right. No, no, I understand. But it was a very intense learning activity. Yes. And it's interesting that Cassius came to her. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he went to all of them or just to her. I don't know. See, he kept turning up and I was like, oh, we're going to have a connection. mm -hmm. Yep. I thought there was something. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But nope, because he's dead. So nope. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think Spider Killer is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I really like her. I can't imagine her just like the, with this smug smirk on her face with her black painted lips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, I just... I could just feel like her joy at almost killing her students every time it happened. The first day they walk in and they're almost poisoned. And Mia's like, oh, this is poison. Let's mm-hmm. help everybody. And then she like, they opened the, they 
like open up their ceilings and drop poisonous gas into the rooms. And I could just see her in the hallway, like grinning, clutching her hands together, like, who's gonna die? (laughs) (laughs) And even her challenge was designed to kill them. I mean, I don't know. Something about her just repeatedly trying to kill her students was very entertaining to me. Yes. Um, yeah. Out of all of the contests, which one do you think you'd do best in? Um, probably hers. I like puzzles. And I mean, and I was always really good at the sciencey bits in school, chemistry and biology and things. And I mean, all that stuff. So I feel like if I just from the skill set that I have, if I was going to be good at any of those things, it would be spider killers challenge. I think that it would be so I think that Mouser's skills set is really interesting. I don't know that I could be a thief because I would feel guilty about everything that I took. Maybe I could lose my conscience and feel okay mm-hmm. about it. But I feel like having that skill set would be really handy and also just really fun to be able to casually take things from people. Yes. I get and it. I have this like unspoken language that you can have. Now I do like Elliot or not Elliot. I like uh, spider killers because the idea of murdering someone five days before they're dead sounds empowering. Okay. <laughs> but I think Mauser's skill set would be really fun. Yeah. And I agree. I would love to be able to fight really well and use weapons really well, but I would not want to train with Solus. He sounds like a butthead. No. I wasn't expecting, I mean, I knew that people were going to die. Mm-hmm. It's a book about assassins. I knew people were going to die. I wasn't expecting Carlotta's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after we have that shamble of a trial and Ugh. I was so pissed off mm-hmm. the injustice. It's like, this is circumstantial evidence. You have nothing. You can't just accuse her of this. There is mm-hmm. no justice here. I was indignant. Yep. Yeah. I was so mad. And then they were going to give her 25 lashes and tricks stepped up get 50. No, she was going to get 25 tricks stepped up and was like, no. no. And they were like, we'll give you 50. And then she stepped up and she's like, no, we'll take half. No, she was going to get 50. Hush got 25. Okay. Hush got 25 for breaking curfew. And they were going to give her 50 because they applauded her murder attempts. Because in assassin school, you don't get killed for killing other people. Um, and so at that point, Trick is like, no, no, I know that she didn't kill Carlotta because she was with me. And Mistress Drusilla is like, well, since our lesson didn't sink in the first time, a hundred lashes. Oh, and then Mia's like, no, no, I'll, I'll take half of those because I asked him to come to me. Mm -hmm. Man, Trick stepped up and I was like, you idiot. I know. What a dummy. Mm-hmm. She, she ended did. up with the same amount of lashes. She did, but she had to do it without Mr. Kindly's help. Mm-hmm. 
she had to give her cat to, you know, it ended up being really good that she and Trick didn't end up together because she had to give her cat to him <laughs> to take her fear. He was a hypocrite. He judged her for killing someone in a murder competition. Uh, <laughs> she, she, she's better off. I mean, he was nice, but she's better off anyway. Uh, so she had to take 50 lashes with all of the fear. And then she has that flashback to her mother's death, which, you know, so we had been building, like we'd been building up mm -hmm. to this point to the reveal of what actually happened with her mother, like interspersed throughout the book is this race. Don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. And so looking is obviously examining this memory of her. And so, you know, as she's being flashed open, her mind opens up to this awful memory of her mother's death. And after reading this scene, I mean, I started to wonder why she's in murder school at all. Right? Like mm -hmm. if, if she could just wait three years for the next true dark and figure out how to murder better, I guess. Um, does she even need to become a blade? to accomplish what she wants like you said murder better yeah right so right. she yeah. can go to the school in the meantime learn how to be a better murderer and then true dark comes around and just kill them all with her new skills and yeah. combining that with her skill of the dark the shadows mm -hmm. oh god when she like unlocked her power that was just so great oh my gosh yes it was when it's talking about her literally dismantling the prison with her shadows. I was like, honey, yep. yes, girl, let it loose. Uh -huh. And I was like, I knew there was something more to her. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously no, but I love that. I, I loved it. I just loved it <laughs> so much, so much. Mm -hmm. And then she's talking about how she's jumping from shadow to shadow to shadow. Oh, yes. And then she murders all those Luminati people and is like, take them out, take them all out, take them out. And then she gets to Skeva. And again, the lighting issue with the mm -hmm. Trinity, it stops her in her tracks. And it's like, see, so she knows it's a problem because she's been here before. Mm -hmm. That would be like, seriously, priority number one would be what to do when you run into that, because that is what stops her. Yeah. But at the end, didn't it turn out, it ended up being, it was just her, right? This whole thing had gotten like, oh, it was this uprising or something, right? Yeah, the Kingbreaker Rebellion. Yeah, the King, but it was just her. It was Wooden Girl, mm -hmm. which I love. Mm -hmm. Girl power. Yeah. Um, but because of that, that led to Skava tightening security around himself even more. So she's, she kind of made things harder for herself. Mm -hmm. with that which is not ideal uh, her mother's reaction in that scene to Mr. Kindly was really interesting yeah like she freaked out mm -hmm. that feels ominous what does she what does she know is it just to I mean she's been locked in the ground like in the dark for years at the four years at this point so she's completely delusional, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so is she having this reaction to Mr. Kindly because of that, which is totally, totally makes sense. Or is it because like subconsciously she can recognize something about Mr. Kindly and it triggers her. Yeah. I'm just, I'm afraid to trust Mr. Kindly too much. Like he hasn't done anything that feels malevolent towards our heroine so far, but it reminds me a little bit of in the fever series when, you know, Mac has that part in her brain. That's the, it's like a pool, right? And she goes to the pool and she talks to the part of her brain that is the book in the pool. Oh yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And she's like, we're friends. Things are fine. I've got everything under control until it takes over her body. And she goes on like, things go awry in that situation <laughs> does not turn out well for mac i'm really afraid something bad is going to happen to mia because of mr kindly like he's biding his time or something maybe not but i've been hurt in the past by books where the situation has kind of played out before and i'm a little worried i want to trust him though he's i don't trust a cat they tell you at the start of this book, the main character is dead. You can't trust anything. I know. It's a cat. If it's like, an, if it's, if it's, if it's disguised as an animal, I'm just going to immediately trust it. That's how they get you. <laughs> Animals are my weakness. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about the last, I mean, it's the last hundred pages. I was texting you about this last night like mm -hmm. there's only 100 pages to go to go and i know the last like the second the shoe hasn't dropped yet so something chaotic is about to happen uh the whole scene where mia breaks back into the mountain and stays the day was spectacular mm -hmm. every bit of it was great from her pulling the shadows into herself and into herself and sneaking into the blood pool and Adonai knowing that he she's there and using the the little unspoken hand language or whatever to tell her not to kill him basically and then using the her shadow cloak to murder all of the soldiers that are camped out around the pool and cutting the tendons in Osric's shoulder yeah. so that he has to let go of Mariel. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That was outstanding. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then when Mia has this moment where it's like, what about Trick? And Osric's like, ah, uh, and she's like, just kill him. Done. Done. Loved that. Loved how stealthy she was sneaking up into the upper levels as well. Uh, and just like discreetly killing people. She says that she says at one point that she wanted to stick around so that she could see the faces of the, the soldiers that came by and found their dead comrades. Yes. This is so brutal. Uh -huh. I, I loved it. Loved it so much. Yes. Uh, and then organizing the hands that are still alive and Jessamine to help take out the soldiers that they can that was like her her planning in this situation and thinking on the spot was so on point and spectacular and then she like these as they're as jessica's remus and the luminati soldiers are escaping from the mountain into the whisper wastes her using the sand krakens brilliant 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 so clever 
And then when they get to the the last hope uh, port town, so they make it back there, she poisons old Danny O's food again. <laughs> oh, she wow. had done that. She did that at the start of the book. Mm-hmm. Did it again. Lo- I laughed out loud. And then she confronts him in the in the alleyway, I think, and was like, um, you were supposed to be doing this. But since you're not, I'm going to need you to get whatever it is that you want out of here because I'm about to set it on fire. <laughs> so she burns all those soldiers alive. Mm-hmm. And then storms like the guard place where the, the ministry is being kept and rescues all of them. And then confronts her nemesis. Mm-hmm. And Ash, and that's where we have that situation with Ash, where she Ash, where she pulls the the amulet out of her her shirt, and it's like, you know, I didn't really want to do this, but I guess we're here. So, um, and it makes me wonder. I I feel like Ash must have some really strong feelings for Mia, right? Yeah, you get that vibe. I mean, she array. I feel like she had a hand in arranging it, so Mia wouldn't be there when she took down the ministry. Like she kissed her. I feel like she has some strong, like even with, like she didn't go into this. And I, I think she recognized Mia as an opponent that she couldn't handle maybe, but she didn't, she didn't try to get violent with her there at the end. She did leave it open for Remus to kill her, but. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that she wanted, I think she did have like actual feelings, you know, kindness feelings towards Mia and everything. Because she did put the like seed of doubt in her head too, mm-hmm. you know, telling her, you know, this isn't really for you sort of thing. Like, yeah. um, so she put that in her head as well. I definitely think she I mean, genuinely was, I think she was friends with Mia. Like she had friendly feelings towards her and would be her friend and a good friend if the situation were different if she wasn't getting vengeance for her father. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I definitely think there were feelings there. From my perspective, I just don't know if they were friendly or like romantic feelings. Hmm. I got some romantic vibes. Anyway, so uh, she confronts Ash. Ash pulls the thing out, disables them, but... Mia's like, I'm not going to take this standing down because, or like standing down. I'm not going to take this laying down. I'm going to look my attacker in the face uh, because Remus is getting ready to murder her now because she's been incapacitated by this thing. And she shadow jumps from her shadow into his and stabs him in the neck. And I loved it. That was fantastic. I love when people get like murdered <laughs> that sounds so wrong <laughs> but I love deaths like this you know I mean it's just it's very cathartic because this is part of her plot for revenge right this is her getting vengeance yes so there's this cathartic moment where it's like she's accomplished at least in part this thing that she set out to do from the start she can cross another name off of her list I love that it feels like being productive <laughs> mm-hmm. um but she she accomplishes this thing that she set out to from the beginning and then ash being really clever but also recognizing maybe when she's outmatched so the rest of the ministry walk out at that point and 
Ash is like, um, okay, I'm out. And she runs away. <laughs> and I don't know if we would call this cowardice or just being smart and recognizing when you're outmatched. Yeah. Or maybe a little both. Do you stand and fight in a fight you know you won't win, won't win or do you save it for another day? I would save it for another day. I would choose not to fight from the start. Yeah. That wasn't an option, Marissa. All right. Definitely. You save it for another day. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I guess I was just kind of disappointed in Ash. Like, I really enjoyed her character. I wanted... I wanted Mia to have friends. Yeah, I know. Um, anyway, as things. we can't have nice things. So Cassius has been stabbed and he's dying, apparently. <sighs> unexpectedly. And he uses his blood to mark Mia as a blade. Mm-hmm. As part of the what would be their initiation which I think is really cool, but we find out that Drusilla and Solas protested her becoming a blade after she the saved audacity. them. I know. I mean, how dare they? Mm-hmm. I already didn't like Dr- Solas. After that crappy trial that she put Mia through, I didn't really like Drusilla either. It's like, ugh. I mean, she just saved your life. You could be a little grateful. Yeah. Mm. Super rude. But in the, I think it's the epilogue, we find, so there's a, we're introduced to Swordbreaker, who was Trick's um, grandfather. And earlier in the book, Mia and Trick had sort of made this like promise to each other that if one of them would die, the other would avenge whoever it is that they're out seeking vengeance for. And so this is Mia avenging Trick by killing his father, not father, by killing his grandfather who basically tortured him and tied him up and left him for dead and branded his face and beat the crap out of him and exiled his mother. And Mia is getting vengeance for all of that. And I do like this moment for her and for trick because he didn't get to fulfill that himself yeah felt so bad for trick that story with trick was awful and in so in solace's trial when trick and mia are fighting and she's goading him and she's being so cruel and she calls him a kofi like i I know oh i flinched it was so harsh Mm-hmm. It was, and I get why she did, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, it hurt me. Yeah, it was hurtful after he shared, because I mean, he shared things with her that were private, right? Mm-hmm. About the origin of him and his name and his lineage. Mm-hmm. those are I mean it was a real moment of vulnerability for him yeah and she tosses it back in his face and I get like you said I get why but wow 
All right, let's do our quotes. So there were a couple of quotes that I liked. One of them is something that Alia says to Mia. She says to her, never let your face tell a secret that your lips should not. And I like this because I think since we started wearing masks, I definitely make more facial expressions under my mask when I talk to people. And I'm afraid of what's going to happen if we ever get to the point where we don't have to wear them anymore. And I, <laughs> my face is going to say things that I'm not saying with my mouth. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, oh, I did not mean to make that facial expression out loud. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I do. I do. And yes. <laughs> Yeah. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also like this thing that Mercurio says to Aaliyah, not Aaliyah, that sa- Mercurio says to Mia. He mm-hmm. says to her, uh, nothing is where you start. Own nothing, know nothing, be nothing. Because then you can do anything. And I like that. I mean, I feel like it's solid advice. Start with the basics. Start start with nothing yeah um that was a good one her mom also says this other really great quote she says your mind will serve you better than any treatment under the suns it is a weapon mia and like any weapon you need to practice to be any good at wielding it beauty you're born with but brains you earn there's some really great great quotes in this book what about you what did you like so I picked this. So this is a uh, closer towards the end of the book where she's making her way back to the quiet mountain as she wove and swayed among them blades, whistling breath, hissing the swiftest among them realized she wasn't a demon nor a horror, but a girl, just a girl. And that thought terrified them more than any demon or horror they could name. I love that for several reasons. Well, one, you know, ha women power, right? Yes. Um, but two, it makes me think, you know, we've talked before and like to just talk in general about how men or humans, you know, they're the real monsters, right? Mm-hmm. That's what this makes me think of. They're, uh, you know, it's not something otherworldly that's doing this. It's just a normal person. I mean, she's not, not just normal, but you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. She's a human. She's a girl doing this. Yeah. And that is terrifying because if it's a demon or a horror, you know, you can at least be like, oh, well, that's kind of a one off. Mm-hmm. It's this awful thing, but this is what humans are capable of. But also for her, women, you know, strong yes. women. Yes. Uh, I highlighted all. this. Yeah. Oh, you did? I yeah, I did. It's like, yes, girl, mm-hmm. make him be afraid. Yes, I loved it. And I feel like this speaks to, uh, so she mentions this several times within the book, let them underestimate you, let them think you're weak. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. That definitely ties in with that as well. Mm-hmm. And then I also picked the light is full of lies, acolyte. The, sun ser- the suns serve only to blind us. So I like this for 
um, several reasons, I guess. So one is darkness is often used as a scare tactic in horror movies just to like up the suspense. And the main reason is because you can't see anything, right? You don't know what's around the next corner. You add that in with creepy music and you've got this crazy suspense going on with the dark. But this is a great point because light can blind you too. The sun can blind you and cause just as much problems as darkness, even more so like the sun can like burn your corneas. Mm-hmm. So I like that because you don't normally think of it like in this way when you directly compare light and dark, you know, especially when it comes to the sun is full of lot li- or the light is full of lies. Normally you think the light shines light on the truth, right? And I just liked this twist and this to it. That makes I like sense. that. Yeah, you make a really good point. I like that. I mean, the sun could literally kill you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I don't know if the darkness could literally kill you. I guess if you, I mean, if you spend too much time in the dark, you turn into Smeagol. So <laughs> there you go. But the yep. sun. Yeah, that's a really good point. Good on you. I like that. I thought of that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, I believe that wraps up Nevernight by Jay Kristoff. Uh, join us next week. We'll be talking about book two in the Nevernight Chronicles. That'll be God's Grave by Jay Kristoff. Uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. Join us next week. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.